turn this music a bit down more. What do you think of our sound, Bosch? I think it sounds great. This is Don't Let It Go Unheard. You're listening to Amy Peacock. I've got cartoonist Bosch Faustin here in the studio with me. And yes, we are playing a little bit with our new mixing board that we took on a trial run last night, but yeah. I'm still not over it. And the other thing that I'm not over is that I have purchased my little ASCAP license. Right. Which means that so long as I have a relatively small show on Blog Talk Radio, I can play music. Um, and a whole lot of bands. Uh, Liberty Express, I think, has a bigger audience, but my music breaks will be cut out yeah. because of the ad insertions there. My music will also go out over AM, FM 24-7, right. which is another place that you know the show is syndicated, but they are also a music station, so they have the appropriate licenses. So I get to play DJ. So what are you listening to here? You're listening to Muse, an album, the first album I heard from them called Black Holes and Revelations, and it is called Map of the Problematique. I'll give you a little bit more of a taste and we'll come back here in a second. turning the volume up on my mic and I'm turning the volume down on the music and you know we're going to get better at this as as time goes on. So, you like Muse Bosch? Do you approve? Some of it, yeah. Some, some of it? Some Muse I do like. I definitely do. I heard of them uh because of a student at the Air Force Academy when I was teaching in Colorado Springs and also from a former agility competitor. Little did I know that you're supposed to get into Radiohead first and then into Muse. <laughs> But I can't, did it all backwards. That's I right. sort of was out of current popular music for quite a while That's and funny. dove back in there. So, anyway, welcome to the people over at Blog Talk Radio. I have some people in the chat room who are discussing with us. I've got some smiles. I've got some reactions to our sound, which I'm very happy that it's coming across well. I really like this microphone. I love yeah. being able to 
have control of the music here. I can play anything that's in my iTunes. As far as I know, all the bands that I want to play are registered with ASCAP so that they're all getting paid for my playing. As I mentioned last night, ASCAP, what her name is, like Asshat? You know, but it might be ASCAP because it's AS, it's not ASS. So maybe ASCAP, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You're bad. Everything is just some dirty pun pun for you. (laughs) That's right. Oh, that is truly terrible. We've we've only got about a minute and a half before we start the show proper, but we've got a lot for you today. And one thing just to keep in mind too is that yes, on Blog Talk Radio, our show is sponsored by oh. Audible, the audio book yeah. retailer. And last week I talked about a book called Shed, Julie Morgenstern that I was listening to, and one listener, Adam wrote me and said that he was also listening to that book because of my suggestion and was interested in some of the stuff that Julie Morgenstern was talking about and was also getting rid of some stuff. So I'll talk more about that at the break that we have between the first and second I finished that book uh, perfect. I finished it. Did you finish it Overall good. I did. Uh, It's an imperfect book. (laughs) It really is. And there's something that that the writer says at the end. He says, in an attempt to to talk up the wisdom and value of old age, the writer uh, states... On the societal level, we would do well to divert some of the funds currently being invested in the anti-aging industry toward the creation or improvement of a pro-aging industry. The idea of just funds up in the air, in the ether, right. by taxpayers, you know, well, let's move that here. It's like, that's redistribution. I don't care what your in- intention is. So s- some terrible implications there, but overall, very good. And I laughed out loud at some, at some aspects of it because I do... I guess I'm a perfectionist to, to some extent. Okay, well, we'll hear more about that at the bottom of the hour, but let's go into the show proper. Here we go. everyone. This is Amy Peekoff. You're listening to the April 25th, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. It is the podcast where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm joined here in the studio by cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Hello, Hello Bosch. Hello, everyone. So I saw a little bit of distortion yeah. that we were getting in the intro music there. So I'm just learning what it, levels are actually going to work and what if levels are not going to work. If there's not a hiccup, it's not a show. I mean, I mean, that's <laughs> it just, was just a little bit of distortion. Oh, I thought you know that, what? You know, at the opening. And then it went, well. well right, right. Because I started, you know, exactly. I, I've got my nice little pots, my little turning pots here on the, well, you know what we should do? We should take a picture of the little soundboard sure. and tweet it out. You want to do that, Bosch? Yeah, and then people can see what I'm working with here. Yeah. But it's just got these little tuning pot things and you do levels and you can do EQ and we have our EQ set. A little bit of the, the low 
EQ uh, just boosted a bit so that we sound more radio, more sexy, more awesome, in the words of Neil Patrick Harris, who's the the awesome actor for Well, he's a motel director How I met from, your from mother? the show. I mean, he is. People, about, by the way, people, I have not seen the How no, I Met Your Mother finale. No, Do not haven't. put any spoilers in the chat room. Do not write them to me. I'm going through the series as quickly as I can to get to the finale, so don't let me know. Yeah, nice little picture cool. there, Bosch. Okay, go ahead and tweet that out. I want to thank Craig, who was the donor to yes, the show, who made this most of this equipment upgrade possible. And I'm glad that we finally got it up to speed here. Now, what we're looking for is we're probably going to actually get another mic because, yeah. as you can see, if you see the picture of the soundboard that we have, there's space for another microphone. And I think our posture during the show yeah. would definitely be a lot better if we're not both leaning in <laughs> to the same mic. And in particular for me, and I, you know what? I use the word particular. Remember we are talking about this? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I use it. That's and it. I'll try not to overuse it, but I need it sometimes. And I'm just saying in particular, me versus Bosch, that uh, I am both reading things off my computer and leaning into the yeah. microphone at the same time, so it's going to be better for me posture-wise. And and plus, I could interrupt uh, easier if I'm on mic, unless you cut it off. <laughs> unless I use yeah. my little tuning pot and just exactly. turn you off, forget you, you it. You have power, you have mic control. That's right, that's right. But anyway, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com. You can check out the program notes for today's show, all the different stories that we want to discuss. Almost all of them are centered on this theme of wishing won't make it so. And I would use a big old philosophical term in its place called primacy of consciousness, but I won't do that yet. Just think of the idea of being a kid whose parents have put in front of you a plate of your least favorite vegetable. You name what it is. People have very you know, strange tastes in vegetables. Some people love broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Some people love green beans. People hate all those. So think of your least favorite vegetables. Your parents put it on the plate in front of you and say, no dessert or no leaving the table until you eat all of your vegetables. And you just want those things to go away. Now, if you close your eyes and say, go away vegetables, you know, and you kind of state some trance, you know, some sort of mystic mantra or chant, Mm -hmm. is it going to go away? No, (laughs) those are going to be there. Now, you can feed them to the dog under the table. This is all example from Leonard Peikoff, by the way. Total theft. Total theft. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, you can feed it to the dog under the table, but that's the only way those veggies are going to go away without you eating them yes. or your parents you giving in and being wimpy parents, mm-hmm. right? First of all, I think that's kind of a dumb thing to do to a kid yeah, anyway. Eat all of them yeah, or not. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You just, so just you can say, don't get board, a dessert. A new soundboard for yeah, a new soundboard. Awesome. I just tweeted the new soundboards at Bosch Paulson. Um, on, the, on the Twitter. Good excuse to follow at Bosch Fawcett yes. on Twitter is to get the Please. awesome pictures from the studio here. So go ahead and check that out. And yes, I was tagged, so I got my little notification. But yeah, go to the blog to see all the stories. I was inspired about this you know, topic for today after I saw a headline at the Wall Street Journal. And the context is that yesterday I saw the story about Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu calling it quits on the so-called peace talks, the Israeli-Palestinian peace talks. The Islam talks. And he's got excellent reasons for quitting those talks. He he just reminds you how good he is. And then, of course, he he blows it when he's in power. But he's good. He's, you know, he speaks like a moral leader. 
Right, right. And so the headline this morning that I saw was that Obama is decrying the lack of will, the lack of political will that both Israel and the Palestinians have. And then it's, you know, so too bad. I should put quote unquote with the Palestinians. Just keep in mind, I don't buy that. That was created. In any event, he says, you know, it's just a lack of will. Another story that I integrated with this theme is that Obama announces a whole bunch of nothing This happened a few weeks ago, and he declares his bunch of nothing to be a proposal to the end the NSA bulk data collection. And not only does the media buy into his sales pitch, even Edward Snowden hails Obama's proposal as a quote-unquote turning point. And then there was another story this week in which an interfaith panel who, who knows who appoints these people? An interfaith panel demands the removal of all mention of, quote, Islamic terrorism. The removal of truth. From the 9-11 memorial. Yes, the museum, they call it. And yeah. we have a whole bunch now, why of... Now, why does the 9-11 memorial exist? No. Why don't the Twin Towers exist? Yeah, we're, we're going to get into all of that, but we have a number of uh, other stories as well focusing on the theme of those people who think that wishing will make it so. So go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, check out all the program notes, and you can also, of course, while you're there, click on the links for the Audible free trial that you can get to support the show. And now I am also, I discovered... Yeah. And iTunes and iBooks affiliate, so you can also support the show that way. I think what I'll do after the show is post links there to songs that I've played on the show, and if people like some of the music, they can check it out through those links, and that's always good. So let's talk a little bit about this and what I can do also in you know just showcasing the <laughs> awesome new setup. Yeah. Thank you again, Craig for helping us out here. Oh, we get an ad again, of course. Earlier today when I played this clip, there was no ad, but now we're getting an ad. Um, but this clip is, and you know what I can do with this? Oh, look what I can do. While the ad is playing, I can turn the volume down and let the ad play. And now I can talk up this clip, Excellent. which is Netanyahu, Prime Minister, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, appearing on Fox News with Brett Baer, and talking about his reasons for quitting the peace talks, the so-called peace talks. And I think it's about to start For, for accepting reality. Yeah, for accepting reality. Let's go ahead and see if this clip will play for us. This Here we is go. a Fox News alert. I'm like Brett Baer in Washington. Peace talks between the Israelis and the Palestinians are dead, at least for now. That announcement today from Israel. Joining us now, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, to tell us why he believes the situation is so perilous for his people. Mr. Prime Minister, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Were you surprised by uh, this accord? On a, on a bad day, I have to say. Yes, I was. This, this pact with Hamas, a, a terrorist organization committed to our destruction, that condemned the United States for killing bin Laden. That's who Hamas is. Uh, that- Let me just interrupt for a second there, because... He has to remind yeah. us, oh, this is a guy who condemned, right? Yeah. I mean, who, who uh, actually, who not condemned, what? Who praised the United States. What yes. did he say again? Let me go back. Well, who praised the, no, who condemned the murder, uh, the quote-unquote murder. Oh, condemned the us killing. for killing Obama. Okay. I'm getting totally backwards. I'm getting mesmerized by my technology, and I'm forgetting the substance <laughs> of what I'm doing. We need to have both substance and form here at... Don't let it go unheard. But, yeah, so he has to stop and remind us, yeah. look, 
they condemned us for killing Osama bin Laden, also, you know, just, just to get us on board. But also and, this, and, and, and he knows that there's a lot of people who are listening who aren't just mad about the fact that these people want to get rid of Israel. But think about it also. That's enough. Who, who really wants, I mean, Israel wants to be left alone. Right. America wants to be responsible for the peace that they will achieve. John Kerry, Obama, I'm the guy who did it. You know what I mean? While the quote-unquote Palestinians want to butcher is- Israelis. This is this is the sick, twisted circle that we have here. Yep, exactly. So let's Assalamu play some more. Uh, that's the organization that the Palestinian president, Abbas, embraced. I was hoping that he would embrace peace with Israel. Instead, he chose a pact with Hamas. And that effectively is what is killing peace. I hope he changes his mind because the only way we can move forward is to have partners who are committed to living with Israel and not killing the state of Israel. Now, Abbas, why the hell would Abbas not be Abbas? He is Abbas. He is a terrorist thug. He, you know, he wears a suit, unlike uh, Arafat with the, uh, with the kafiyah and the, and the headscarf and all that. Uh, why wouldn't, and Benjamin Netanyahu, no matter how good he is, he should have said, to hell with these terrorists. I will never negotiate with terrorists for our peace, ever. You want to re- restructure your entire society? You want to completely join civilization? I might talk to you one day. But you know what I think he does is I think he just says, okay, we'll sit down and yeah, your it's, stupid yeah, Mickey Mouse, and disgusting. then they'll do something again that will justify our withdrawing from the talks. Every yeah, single they time they the do something. they have moral high ground, and they act like they don't. And that's the, the, that's the sick thing here. Well, and, and that's the thing. They do have the moral high ground. They have the perfect right to declare that they're withdrawing from these talks just based on Hamas's intentions for Israel, not, you know, Hamas, you know, condemning us for killing bin Laden and all. They don't, he doesn't need to tell us that no. stuff. It's for their own survival that yeah. they are justified in doing this. And yet he feels like he has to just do so all of these listen, you know, cartwheels. I mean, it's like pigman's foreign policy to me. It's F with us. You're effed. That's what Israel's foreign policy should be. Mm-hmm. We leave us alone. Right. And if you don't, we will kill you. Anyway, I highly recommend going to the link that's at my blog at don'tletitgo.com and looking and watching the rest of the video. Netanyahu is excellent in there. And he, he, ta- he talks about how many missiles they've you know, lobbed Shh. over into Israel and shooting. Which, which, which are never re- reported, by the way. Never reported or rarely reported. Yeah, certain, certainly the news, because it makes the news gives a bias towards yeah. the other way, right? So Netanyahu, here he is. He's laying out his case for why he's out of these talks. And as I said, open up the Wall Street Journal this morning figuratively because I'm doing it on the computer. And here's the link. Obama says, this is the headline, Obama says Israelis and Palestinians lack will for tough peace decisions. And what you'll notice if you read this article is that he blames both the Israelis and the Palestinians for not having the will, right? If they just wanted to have peace, then they could have peace. He blames both sides for this. And in terms of concrete actions that demonstrate this so-called lack of will, the only thing that he says explicitly is about what the Palestinians have done. I'd like to then you to ask uh, Obama, say, would you uh, negotiate with al-Qaeda? Would you talk to Al Qaeda? Hell, we've armed Al Qaeda. Yes, we have. So what? Yes, you know? we have. But so, I mean, he'd saying, say that. Put it right back at him. Say right. the will. Do you have the will to meet Al Qaeda's leader? Is that what we're hearing? Do you Aren't have the we, will? Uh, we're in negotiations with the Taliban yes, all the are. time, off and on. You know, the moderate terrorists. Right. You know. Right. The moderate ones. Yeah. The moderate murderers. 
And he said, Obama has said, apparently, says the Washington, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal, he says he hasn't seen the political will necessary to make tough decisions among either Israelis or Palestinians. So what, the tough decision is to condone the Palestinians having a government that's an allegiance between a terrorist organization it's a terrorist and a moderate it's a, terrorist. It's yeah. a terrorist. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're a little more brutal than the other. That's a tough decision to commit suicide, but, you know. One group kills got, got to make it. 100 here, the other group kills 200. You know, they're a little different. It says, Mr. Obama said Mr. Abbas's action was just one of a series of steps by Israelis and Palestinians I mean, just that the, aren't conducive moral... to advancing the peace process. I dare him in a speech like this to say whatever was the last step by Israel yep. that wasn't conducive to advancing the peace process. And you try. Here's a boss. He's making a deal with a terrorist organization. Because he's a and terrorist. And Obama's going to compare that to whatever it was yes. that he thought Israel should have done two months ago or whatever. Right. It's like, oh, is, Israel wouldn't you know, tie its hand behind its back or give Look, away another chunk of land or it, something. Obama is the most anti-Israel president of all time. He was raised Muslim, he was raised to hate Jews, and he never questioned it as an adult. He never has. He, he still embraces Islam, even though he's not Muslim. He embraced Islam and communism both, so that's why he's a nihilist. But he hates Jews, he hates Israel. I call him anti-Semite-in-chief. He, everything he's saying here, that's the implication behind it. It's like that's at the bottom line, that's underneath it all. He's trying to equate terrorists with a civilized country. Yeah. And, you know, come on, you've you got to work with these guys, man. Yeah, they want to cut your head off, but what are you going to do? And not just a civilized country, one of the most productive Absolutely. and innovative countries in the entire world. I mean, think about it. If, I mean, just switch it. If Israel was a Muslim country and all the other countries in the Middle East were like Israel, imagine the world. Oh, how much, the world how would much, be such it, a better place. It would be, a, a, I mean... You know. Oh, okay. No, you mean if Israel was productive and Muslim, yeah, which is not possible. No, no, what I'm saying is if there was only one Muslim country and it was, it was Israel and the rest of the Middle East was actually Productive and thriving? Oh, then we wouldn't even be talking about Islam talking at about all. Not at what all. I'm saying is yeah. look, at, look what Israel does. Look right. how powerful it is. It's a tiny country. It's so, you know, so successful, you know, productive, pro-life. Look at its neighbors. Its neighbors' existence you know, relies on, on wiping out the existence of Israel. That's, that's in their mindset. I may not have made the analogy correct, but you, you know what I'm saying. No, I understand what you're saying now. Imagine if, if, if they learned from Israel. Imagine I, if they, I, I still have the shininess of the soundboard like <laughs> affecting my brain cells. And so keeping up I mean, with your, the pace of your thoughts no, is a little bit harder today. Than I, I love it. I mean, it, just, it looks like a, like a studio almost, you know? Robert NYC in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, he says, Benny... Do you know him? If he's your friend, Robert, can you get him over here for an interview you know, on the show? I have Uncle Benny. Hey, Benny, how you doing? No, but, uh, he says, Benny is the best out there, even is. though he wavers too much. Yes. He says, I take him as a global leader over mostly Absolutely anyone else. I agree. You, there's conviction in his voice. I just wish his rhetoric was backed up by more aggressive action. I just really wish. And, and that's what I have, to, I have to wish about this. But he is, in, in terms of the moral leader of the world, he is. In terms of the countries. Look at Obama, look at Netanyahu. The contrast, I mean, shocking. State Defiance says, the fact is we treat all our allies like crap, yes, but especially Israel. Yep. And the Arabs that live in Israel want nothing to do with the Islamo-fascists. It's true. They now, the only thing it. I disagree with, mm -hmm. <laughs> State Defiance there, is your term, Islamo-fascism. <laughs> right. You know, I've, who, I, who are the Islamo-fascists and who are the, just the regular Muslims? Like, look, 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 
the non-terrorist Muslims and the terrorist Muslims have two different religions that they follow, Islam and Islam, okay? I just tweeted that earlier. You know, it's two different religions that they follow, the, the non-terrorist Muslims and, and the terrorist Muslims, Islam and Islam. That's the different ones. It's the, yeah, it's the two different ones. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Anyway, so you get how I would be inspired. I mean, here's Obama looking at Netanyahu and saying, we, <laughs> we see that you are basically, if you stay in these peace talks, committing suicide. Yeah. But nonetheless, if you leave these peace talks, it's just showing that you lack political will. If you just wanted it enough, if you, ju- you know, if everybody just got together and decided that they now, wanted so, peace, regardless like, of the intentions Obama, of the Palestinians, of Hamas, Does anybody. Obama go and talk to Tea Party leaders in the White House? Would he ever? With his political um, enemies? He, he, he talks at them. Yeah, but would he ever he sit with them, them in the White House, say, Tea Party leaders, come on, let's talk. Let's, uh, you know, let's make a deal here. Let's, uh, you know what I mean? Let's, let's let this kind of... You know what I'm saying? Right. He would never, ever, 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 ever do that. Ever. And these are his fellow Americans, allegedly. So he's saying, look, civilized leader, go talk with terrorists who are butchering you. Please, because I want, I want to be the guy who brings us together. Right. I want to go down in history as the American president who brought peace, quote unquote, to the Middle East. Yeah, you know, it's one of his hopes. Yeah, he just, exactly. you know, wishing. That's one of his uh, other critical achievements that he wants to. And if he wants it and he doesn't get it, the world is depriving him of yes. it. And as we'll learn later, the world is racist for yeah. depriving him of the peace that he wants in Israel. Yeah. <laughs> Let me uh, talk about another story that was from a few weeks ago, but I just wanted to reiterate it in this context because it just fits so nicely in today's theme. Again, today's theme is... Wishing won't make it so. Obama, it cannot be the case that you say, oh, well, if they just wished, if they just wanted peace enough, then peace could happen. That would not be true. If Israel continued and gave away land and did all this stuff, all it would be doing is committing suicide. Now, if you call peace Muslims winning, which is what a lot of Muslims do, they say, really, you know, we'll have peace as as soon as everybody submits to the word of Allah and there's no more struggle. That's peace. If, If that's your definition of peace, okay, fine. But uh, that's not our definition of peace. Our definition of peace is people of different belief systems living side by side and no one believing that they have the right to kill the other person in the name of their religion. That's my definition of peace. So if that's, you know, not your definition of peace, I'm sorry, but if, if that is your definition of peace as well, you can't just wish and have it happen. You've got to have the people on the so-called Palestinian side of the equation actually embrace that goal as well, and they have never done that. Never. They call for death to Israel, they call for death to America. The first quote-unquote Palestinian mm-hmm. leader who does that is dead. He's dead in a, in a split second. This is what happens. Anwar Sadat. This is what happens. If a guy says, you know what, I'm sick of this. Let's just have peace, quote-unquote, boom, shot in the head or whatever. Poisoned, who knows how. Uh, by the way, the, the, the Batman will uh, negotiate peace with the Joker in the next issue of Batman. Mm. He's going to sit down with him and say, I know you killed thousands of people, but you know what? I just, I'm tired of this, man. Let's, you know, let's talk. <laughs> and Captain America is going to negotiate with uh, <laughs> the Red Skull, the Nazi. Hydra people. Yeah, he said, come sure. on. You know what, guys? Let's peace. Let's just talk. Let's do it. It's appeasement is what it is. You know? <laughs> Somebody must have done that pun before. I've done it. Of course, years ago. I, I wrote it down. Check out my blog. You know, let's, let's look right now. <laughs> let's go search for it right now. I also have a new term for quote-unquote moderate Muslims. It's uh, lipstick on a pig Muslims. They make Islam look slightly less uh, horrific and obscene. 
Well, when you get the full picture of Islam from Pat Condell, which we'll do oh, probably man. in the next big segment. He's as good as it gets. See. He's as good as it gets. So let me just remind everyone of this story in the context of wishing won't make it so. And it is this. Obama goes out, and there's all these headlines. I just happened to get the one from The Guardian UK. And it's Obama formally proposes end to NSA's bulk collection of proposes. telephone data. Proposes, right? Proposes. And as you know, what he's saying is they're going to have the NSA, uh, instead of them collecting all of the data, they're going to have Verizon collect it. Mm-hmm. And uh, moreover, they're not going to do it right away. Mm-hmm. They were going to the court to get another 90-day extension of the same program the exactly spl- as it the is. The new spotlight is on so, right now. So, so he thinks in a few months no one would be paying attention. Yeah, they're waiting for us to forget, right? Yes. But we're keeping track of this. Yes. We know that you're doing the same old, same old for the you know the next 90 days. And whatever stupid minor changes that you made during your speech in January, whenever the hell it was, were minor, totally cosmetic, nothing at all. Changes by, we by, know a, by a press conference. The Obama administration will be you know, collecting this bulk metadata for another 90 days at least. Um, and nonetheless, the news media is going along and saying, yep, he's proposing an end to the bulk metadata collection program. There are other people, though, who are not quite as deceived by our dear president. And we're going to talk about those people on the other side of the break. But we are going to get some words from our sponsors here. What do you think I should do? I think I'm going to play a little bit of this music to get us to the other side. Can you handle it? Okay. Okay. I'll let you. Here we go. Okay, so um, over here, Bosch is basically throwing up. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like the I don't hate this, though. I, I really don't. I don't like the I don't hate it. You know, it's not the worst. But I really don't like the I don't hate this music. <laughs> this, this is a good melody. Yeah, 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 it is. You remember it? Did yeah. you, did you oh, ever yeah. buy this song? No, no. You never I, bought this I definitely song? heard it. Okay. <laughs> the melody's not bad. It's not disgusting. Robert NYC in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio is, <laughs> is outing me. He says, Amy loves Duran Duran. <sighs> Guilty as charged. Or at least I have off and on in my life loved Duran Duran. I've gotten frustrated with Simon Le Bon when I tend to read more about yeah, his thoughts. I called it Koran Koran. Remember? When he said something like pro cortical palestine or something. Right. But then he actually pulled back on it. Aww. But it's but but look but look music. But look what cheese. Music. Yeah. As long as I don't have to see them, I mean. <laughs> but here you have to see them because actually you yeah. guys can't see this at home. But I've got the video in my iTunes. I'm playing it from the video. This is awesome. As a kid, I did like a View to a Kill. Uh, they moved their song for the James Bond movie. Another good I, I melody. Did. I they, definitely did. They wrote good melodies. They were more benevolent than anybody else. And this yeah. is going to be another integration that we'll talk about yeah, in today's because... show because they had a concert that was produced by David Lynch. And then David Lynch, as part of the promo for that, 
he took questions via Twitter for the band. And I tweeted a question, and David Lynch chose my question, Mm -hmm. which was about the benevolence of their music. Basically, how do you keep the benevolence in your music over all the years and all the horrible stuff that has happened? And Lynch chose the question and had Roger cool. Taylor answer it. And they said your name on the air, which, which is cool. Yeah, they did. And he, he pronounced it correctly, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he did. He pronounced it correctly, which I thought was yeah. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so then Lynch now has a foundation in which he promotes transcendental meditation. <laughs> right. Which we'll talk about. Transmeds. <laughs> I mean, you can write, let's just shorten it. Mark in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, I love Roger Waters, but his politics oh, yeah, are the yeah, worst disgusting. of the worst. Ugh. Yeah, and, and you don't expect much politically or ideologically no, from But then what, when you hear Bono uh, support capitalism, to? that's impressive. Right. I mean, explicitly, that's impressive. So let's look and see what music in my iTunes you approve of that we can actually play here. What Just do you get think? rid of the, yeah. Get rid of what? Don't, don't, Duran Duran. No, no Duran Duran. You know what <laughs> you I know can what? Cat Power. Some, some Cat Power? Yeah. yeah, we can do that. So we'll do yeah. that for our next little bumper. Yeah, this is a song that really jumped out at me a number of years ago. It's I, good. It, no, it's excellent. Yeah. It's very good. Should we, let, should we give sure. them a taste of it for yeah. a while here? Okay, let's go ahead and let me get some volume and see how we do. It's called The Greatest by Cat Power. taste of some cat power there as we're coming in from our little commercial break at the bottom of the hour. This is Amy Peacock. I got Bosch Boston here in the studio with me. You're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. And today the theme is wishing won't make it so. And we were talking extensively about Obama describing the failure of the Palestinian, the so-called Israeli-Palestinian peace process as a lack of will. It's just, you know, if they had the will. what process? Yeah, the will, it would happen, you know, and, and, you know, the Israelis lack the will just as much as the Palestinians. We know the Palestinians are choosing to embrace a philosophy of death and destruction. The Israelis are not doing that. And nonetheless, the Palestinians dream of wiping Israel off the face of the earth. That's their dream. That's it. And if they ever achieve that, what are they going to do? Kill themselves? I don't know. I don't know. And then our second story here that we're talking about is just a reminder of how empty the announcement of the end of the NSA bulk data collection program by Obama was a few weeks ago that literally there's no substance to it at this point. And yet the media was proclaiming it as some great step in progress there. And even to my disappointment, Edward Snowden described it as a so-called turning point, which was, you know, something that appeared in this Guardian UK 
articles as well as everything else. If you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, by the way, you can see the links to all the stories that I'm talking about today. This one is from The Guardian, and it's Snowden welcomes Obama's plans for NSA reform as a, quote, turning point. Again, he's desperate to hear things like this, so I think he's jumping the gun. Well, and, and we've talked about this before, yeah. and I figured there's two things. You know, there is this idea of he's suffering so much and he's been through so much that he's dying for any sign that there's a payoff. But he, the, the reason why he is where he is is because of Obama. Because of, and I mean, that's, it's a whole full, full circle. You can't applaud him for saying, for saying something, that he'll propose something. He's the guy behind it. He, this is why he's, he is where he is. I mean, this is where I do think that Snowden has made progress, uh, that Obama feels like he has to even he has to spend answer. any time at all yes. and answer. Yes, he to has to. He's forced to answer. Yeah. To, you know. So even though he keeps kicking the can oh, down yeah. the road and he says, oh, we're just going to do it for another 90 days, and then, of course, we'll make everything peachy keen, fine and dandy. Um, nonetheless, Obama is being Obama's forced uh, to you know, get off the golf course take breaks from his long vacations yeah. at taxpayer expense to actually say something about this issue. So well, there's that. There are liars, there are pathological liars, and then there's Obama. And, and, and anything he says, anything he says now, and plus, what was the percentage of Americans who just, just don't trust him anymore, don't trust his word? Well over half, I mean, right? Um, yeah, well over half. So it's, I mean, this is all progress. This is all progress yeah. that, that people don't trust their government. That I mean, think about this, too. The fact that Captain America... By the way, we're both wearing Captain yes. America t-shirts right yes, now in this uh, And I have studio. to note that my little, little different... I have the old classic uh, World War II, better America. You have the darker blue. You know what I mean? I'm saying it's like... You mean mine is, I'm not a, mine is a, a more attractive sort of midnight blue shade you know of blue, and yours that is, is a better like color. No, but a wimpy, pansy, <laughs> light shade of blue? I, is that what you it, mean? It's powder blue, <laughs> like the tuxedos from the 70s. You know? My uncle actually wore that tuxedo with the ruffles, powder blue, <laughs> powder blue tuxedo at his wedding. But anyway, um, his name was Jamal, believe it or not, Jamid. But uh, yours is definitely more attractive, but mine... Symbolically more powerful. I mean, it's a World War Two one. So anyway, it's got the same symbol. Both of our teachers. <laughs> okay, now what you have to do, Bosch, is you're going to take a picture of yes. mine and yours. Well, I admit yours is more attractive. And then you. But you, mine means more. It's World War Two. Whatever, whatever. Okay, so here we go. We, I mean, you know, we're all about proving what we're talking about here on the radio. Absolutely. So now I've got. He's got a picture of my shirt. He's going to get a picture of his shirt. He's good at the selfie thing. So this is all good. So we'll send this out. But anyway, I was disappointed. With Snowden, I understand, again, that he wants to see that what he's doing is having some effect. And it is having some effect. But to characterize it as a turning point, as some sort of yeah. major development, instead of saying, well, you know, this sounds good, but let's wait and see if he follows through in action on any of this in yes. any significant way. Yes. That's yes. what I would be saying if I was Snowden. So the other thing that I wondered when I heard this was, well, maybe he's trying to plea bargain in some way right now about the charges of espionage and whatever that he'd like to come back. And I don't blame him for wanting to come back to the United States, get out from under Putin. Pukin. <laughs> Pukin. Pukin, as you call him. I, I don't blame him for that. So in any event, it, but it's just, it's just sad, right? Because I think that people want so, to believe that Obama has intentions to do anything. Those are, those are good picks. Cool. So just, uh, tweet them out there? Yeah, tweet them out there. All right. So, um, this is this is awesome. Where where are we getting like more high tech as we're know. doing this show more? Just, as we do just, because just of this. The, the equipment. It's like we feel like we have to rise to the occasion so of the equipment. Amy with her Captain America t-shirt mm -hmm. and me with mine. Okay. That's right. So 
back to the point I was going to make about Snowden. So the thing with everyone, everyone wants to believe, A, that Obama is going to do something substantive about this. Why would he? That, that Obama is the kind of person that's going to do something substantive. And they want to believe, really, that I think that they have more privacy than they really do. Yes. They need to believe it. Yeah, right. And, and we do. I mean, privacy yep. is such a huge value, and this is the stuff that I talk about in my work, that we want to believe that there's already a difference between what's going on now with the NSA and what was going on before. But there isn't. There's no significant difference right now. And NSA, again, welcome to the show. Feel free to call in NSA oh, yeah. and talk to us at 760-888-5817. Of course, the NSA does not have to but call they'll us. Bore us. They'll, they'll bore us. They'll bore us to death, so I don't know, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't let them bore me. I'd start grilling them with questions. But yeah, the NSA does not have to call 760-888-5817 like the mere civilian mortals do because they just butt in, right? They tap That's the right. line. They just interrupt. So just feel free. You know, you can do that. Yeah, the pics are going out there. I think Bosch is doing a good job there. Excellent. Yay. Um, but yeah, I just I just integrated that with this entire oh, thing. Nice. Now, one thing that I wanted to do, though, is point out that, yes, even though I'm disappointed with Snowden about that, and maybe we're disappointed with Snowden about other things, I share Leonard Peikoff's view about Snowden still. In Leonard's most oh, recent great. podcast that he released this past Monday, Excellent. he answered a question that someone sent about Snowden. And, of course, he doesn't normally answer political questions, no, he but doesn't. he couldn't resist so on this topic, right? It would, it would, look, if you're not listening to, to, to Leonard's podcast, to Lampy Gulf's podcast, check it out. This one in particular is excellent across the board. Yeah, and, and he was asked, Edward Snowden provided aid and comfort to the enemy by releasing vast amounts of information about our intelligence apparatus, so why do you not view him as a traitor? And Leonard, you know, his, his view, and I agree with this view based on everything that I know so far. Uh, first of all, that his intention must not have been to help our enemies in any way, no. shape, or form. And one thing that Leonard mentioned there, which he hadn't mentioned before, was that Snowden used to at least be a fan of Ron Paul. Right. And we're no fans of Ron Paul, Absolutely. but one thing that Ron Paul is not is he's not somebody who's actually going to give you know, help to the enemy. Right. He's more of an isolationist, but I don't think he's going to give over information to he our He does enemies. apologize for them. And his son is starting to as well, but I know which means technically speaking. But is he going to give information about our and programs? And he wouldn't. No. He wouldn't spy on us. You know, right. Ron Paul would not do that. Right. You know, he wouldn't do that. Right. He's um, a wacko, but he's not. Uh, you know, he's an American wacko still in a sense. Right. Obama and and an anti-American you know, wacko. and Snowden also has made comments in which he questions how much of a danger terrorism really is, and all these things. But, but you know, but Snowden's a young guy. Maybe he had a Ron Paul phase. I'm just. I know I might be, excuse me, but what I'm saying is you go through that. So, well, this guy sounds pretty good. And then you find out, well, this guy is sick. When I was really young, I one time ignorantly registered for the Libertarian Party yeah. and then quickly changed it when yeah. I learned what was going on. So, I mean, this happens. You can fall into this crap. This happens. But still, and this is, you know, Leonard's overwhelming, just overarching point. His point is that what Snowden did in terms of telling us what our government is doing is so valuable that it outweighs yeah. the collateral damage, yeah. so to speak, that Snowden might have done. And also, if, you know, uh, his critics, Snowden's critics, remember when they say oh, he has caused such absolute damage? Give us the damn proof. Give it to us. Don't talk like that unless you're going to have some absolute concrete proof. 
go for it. They don't do it. He has and, damaged the all-powerful state. Yeah. No, no but that's, yeah. <laughs> you know? he has, he has, he's put a dent in it. He definitely has. And Americans have woken up to this, whoa, 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 you know, because we're asleep a lot of time. Robert NYC in the chat room over yeah. here at Blog Talk Radio says he completely agrees with Leonard yes. Peikoff on this issue. And, and I do as well. I encourage people who haven't heard Leonard Peikoff's podcast before just to listen to this. It's just a few minutes answer of Snowden. Do you think I should play a little bit of it here? Up to you. We, we have the technology that we, yeah. whereby we can do that if, on the moment's notice. So let's see if I can get over there and play it. And oh, oh, oh yeah. thing on this. Absolutely. Yeah, look at this. Here we go. I thought it was something else about Snowden. Oh, wait. I need volume. Enemy. Okay. In the form of the release of vast amounts of information about our intelligence apparatus, why is Snowden not a traitor rather than a hero, as you call him? What about his running to China and Russia with a cache of sensitive intelligence information? Now, this belongs to your own in our division of labor, but this one I cannot let go because I'm a big defender of Snowden. Now, I originally said in my answer that he was a hero because of what he did in making available to the public what is going on in Washington, in giving us that kind of information that kind of indication of the groundwork and more than the groundwork, the, the, the machines of totalitarianism being put in place. And I said that the greatest threat to our country is not Snowden or anybody that would reveal what's going on in that apparatus, but the contents of our government in Washington. That is the greatest threat. And the primary beneficiary, therefore, the greatest help to this country is to help to make it real. If you remember 1984, the, the novel by George Orwell, how they remained in power because they knew everything about everybody. And then you'll know why it is important to find out that our government day after day is increasing the uh, amount of uh, information it has about us. This is not treason to the United States. It is a savior, at least a partial savior, to the United States. Now I'm going to go ahead and pause it there and let you listen to the rest of it over at peakoff.com. Yeah, and when you, when you mentioned to, to play it, I thought you were talking about Snowden or something else. Definitely listen to this. I mean, it was, it was, it was excellent. It was it's, ex it's important. Excellent little piece. And that is the key right there. When he says, oh, we're going to extend it another 90 days, another no. 90 days mm -mm. of the NSA itself Absolutely. gathering all that information. We're coming into a crucial election year. Yep. 2014 yep. is going to be the kind of indicator of whether we are going to be completely crushed by yep. Obama in the last two years of yes, his presidency, exactly right. or we're going to get some reprieve from the wimpy Republicans, or maybe <sighs> even a lot of reprieve because of the better Tea Party members that's, who might get elected into hope. Congress. That is the hope that they take out some Republicans, that Tea Parties take out some Republicans to get a little more backup for Ted Cruz. Just also with Ted Cruz, can I just mention something about, you know, some critics of Ted Cruz, more or less some objectivists saying, you know, more or less, oh, he's bad on this, he's bad on this. You know what? You know, I, gonna, actually, I have... actually have this as one of the topics okay. today, okay. right? So let me let me just make sure that before we go on to that, that I finish. Yeah, I, I only put that in there, Leonard Peikoff's podcast, to say, yes, I criticize Snowden because I attribute to him a little bit of the wishing would make it so idea right yeah. Oh, yeah. And, sure. and and no it's there and it, it's there but nonetheless even if snowden is going to disappoint me on this or that i agree with leonard peikoff that the overarching value and the tremendous irreplaceable value 
of Edward Snowden yeah. is pointing out to us what our government has been doing. We didn't and those, know about and this. I think I think those people who say that Snowden is a traitor. Mm, also, me, that, that he has to be killed. Yeah. I mean, think about that. He has to be killed. And that kind of passion is like, whoa, have you ever spoken like this about Obama, Barack Obama? It's just, you know, it's just it's undirected. I mean. 72521 in the chat room says that any threat to Obama is heroic. And I, I don't I mean, know that that's the case because there are some threats sure, yeah. to Obama that are for the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah. Some uh, guys who may want I, to him I would say black or whatever. Any, any principled... Anyone that Obama, intellectual threat to Obama also, is heroic. Also, and anyone what, that, what, that Obama sees as a concrete threat to him and, and, and his power, something that he sees as a threat and has to speak out of. But like, for instance, you know, Putin, Putin is yeah. a threat to Obama, but that's not heroic. Absolutely I mean, he not. tries, you know, with his pictures, the shirtless pictures. Uh, on the, Yeah, but hold on, man. You know? he, he needs a bra. I mean, Putin, please. He's a flab master. Anyway. No, he's supposed to be masculine? Please. You get you get my point. Seven two five two one says in the context he's of the ugly, blog and the people and he's listening. Shorts and he's fat and he's puking. But anyway. That no that that's right. I mean in in the context of what we're talking about, which is somebody who is challenging Obama by presenting facts about what our government is doing that they know the American people are going to be horrified about. That's going to inspire yeah. pushback from the American people, which is what I think Snowden has done to some extent. I think that's good. Yes. Exactly. And that's the context. Yeah, yeah just... Oh, I, I did Okay, say I'm sorry. Yeah. Excellent. It's okay. Um, okay, so that, I think, was all the topic there. And you did want to talk a bit about Ted Cruz in yeah, this just, context. Just, just about the idea that, you know, I hear some criticisms of him, and basically people are going out there. I think in particular objective is saying, oh, he's bad, he's bad on this, he's bad. Look, what other politician has gone out there as a severe critic of Obamacare who said, I will repeal every single word of Obamacare. What other politician has gone out there on the floor of the Senate as a sitting in the Senate say, read Atlas Shrugged, you know, read Atlas Shrugged and reading excerpts from it, from Fountain, from Atlas Shrugged. There are none. There, there, there is none. And also, I think he's a moral man, regardless of the fact that I disagree with him when it comes to religion. I think he's a moral man with good intentions. That's what comes off. That's what exudes from him. So we're not going to get an atheist. We're not going to get an objectivist at all in, in, the, in the White House. I mean, when? Hundreds of years? 100 years? 20, 30? I don't know. It's not going to happen today. That's for, so we have to get the best guy today. And the best guy today in Washington is Ted Cruz, the most principled, the guy who evokes Reagan. Those who keep saying, he's not Reagan, he's not Reagan, he's not Reagan, because he's the closest to Reagan today. That's mm-hmm. why they say now. Does anyone say about Rand Paul? He's not Reagan. No. About no. about Jeb Bush? About Chris Christie? No. no. It's like a reverse compliment. <laughs> it's like you're not Alex Toth to me. When people tell me, you know, I mean, I'm 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 not saying that I am, but they think on, right. on some level that right. I'm, I'm that I'm pretty good. I mean, there would be two versions of this wishing would you know wishing that you know try to make it so that the people who think that they can wish and make it so with Ted Cruz one is to think that he's perfect and yeah, that somehow that's, that's going to make him perfect in some way <laughs> but on the other hand to say oh well I'm not going to acknowledge yeah, the, the good, good the in Ted Cruz good. the obvious good in yeah. Ted Cruz because of the things that are not good about right. him and so here, you know he was born in Canada isn't he he's not eligible now he was born to an American mother. He's uh, by birth an American citizen, by birth. And, you know, they call it natural-born citizen. Mm-hmm. So technically, some lawyers have said, I think, even on some of the left and some of the right, yeah, technically he is an American. He can run. And that's, that, that'll be argued, no doubt, and the left will try to use that. But 
Yeah, te- technically he was born to an American mother, and that makes him an American. Well, and the way I like to talk about him is the way that I thought about talking about him when we were talking to Brittany Faye Rivera of The Undercurrent last week. And that is, here is Ted Cruz, someone who's not an objectivist, but who is, as far as we can tell, the yeah. best politician that we've got in Washington right now. The best. The, the, the and, one I mean, we're talking a light years difference between him and other people. And the other contenders? And Please. why is that the case? It's because he was exposed to and became a fan of Ayn Rand, even though he never became an objectivist, no. right? So we see the actual influence of Ayn Rand in politics, and not just among a libertarian, but we're talking within the conservative, you know, the GOP, insofar as he is still considered he, part of is, the GOP. Is he the best in your dream list of candidates? That's not the point. Yeah. In reality, who is the best? In reality, who is the best in Washington right now? So, Ted Cruz. Yeah, so you, so you cheer the good, and you criticize the bad, and you go on with it. And don't be in this idea of, oh, well, I'm waiting for the, the dream candidate for and this. And, you know, I won't vote until it's the perfect candidate. I mean, it's like people were actually talking about uh, Gon Johnson. I mean, Gon Johnson, to vote well, for that he's, hack. He's terrible on he, a lot of substantive issues. He's really bad. But what I'm saying is he was close to their ideas. It's like, yeah, but uh, ultimately this guy's a patriot. Yeah, Tar- Tarsha in the chat room says that she thought you had to be born on American soil. But no, that's, I no. think, just a natural-born citizen. Yeah. And you can be a citizen born on a place other than American soil. So that would be good. Uh, 72521 asks if he gets elected, could he do anything by himself? No, but there is a lot of popular support behind him, yes, and I think there that, is. I think it, I think, I, I think I, this he's, way of America. He's in a position similar to Reagan. Yeah, Reagan also used the American public in his sense, in in the good sense of using. He uh, spoke to us, you know, directly. He went over the media, over the politicians, over everyone. Spoke to us directly and had legislation passed because of the support. And people are like, oh, man, I can't go against this. There's a wave of popularity here. I've got to go with this. And he did it a number of times. And Cruz can do that with Obamacare. Right. A hundred percent. He could cow these rats, these rat Republicans, say, be, I know you're not men, but you're going to have to vote like men here. And he'll you know, persuade. And, I mean, he's very good when it comes to that. So in terms of where we are, he is the best. So get off this idea that you have an objectivist or an atheist. or It's not going to happen. Not, not now. Today. Not today. It's not going to happen today. I wish it could, but, but it's not. But if someone like Ted Cruz can get in power, that can lay a foundation for it to happen Absolutely. at some point. Absolutely. And then I think that's the thing to cheer. So one more example before we go into the news break that we're going to have between the two hours of the show. I like what Joel says. He said the best race would be Ted Cruz versus Elizabeth Warren. Absolutely. Polar opposites. Absolutely. You know, for a long time, that hasn't happened. Is Elizabeth Warren going to run? It's almost guaranteed. Okay. It keeps going out there. She has a book coming out, and she's pushing this idea. I mean, she's a flat-out, you know, anti-American socialist pig, and uh, Cruz is is a patriot, so that will be perfect. I know that we've had people kind of go in and out of the the board here, but if you do want to call in and talk about any of these topics, 760-888-5817 is the number to do so, and make sure to hit one. So I see the little question icon. That I agree with Elliot. You know, he has to stay oh. off of social issues, no doubt about it. But it, that's part of the, the things that we have to we have to swallow. I think at some point say I don't I don't like it, and we will argue against it, and we'll try to make a case against it. But you know, I think that's who who knows. He thinks that's his base, or he actually believes in that's you know whatever. In these last few minutes of the first hour, I wanted to talk about a prime example of people hoping that they can make it so simply by wishing for it to be so. 
And this is something that I saw posted by Alex Epstein on Facebook. And at first it was interesting because here you've got Jerry Seinfeld, fabulously successful. Yeah. Yeah. Productive. You may not necessarily love his work. Some people love it. Some people don't. But here's this guy, successful, productive, and apparently, which I didn't even know, he's 60 years old and he continues to be very productive. And he's at this David Lynch Foundation fundraiser, and he is talking about so-called transcendental meditation. Let's play a little clip of it, and you can hear what he attributes to transcendental meditation. Let me see. I might have to move away into it because he gives, you know, he talks some jokes and stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Jerry Seinfeld. I love David Lynch's hair, by the way. (laughs) He hasn't changed. A little older. So nice to be here. So happy to do this. And I just wanted to say before I even started talking about TM, I had a horrible thought on my way down here. I'm going to forward this a little. Here we go. Let's see if I can get it to play. Oh, no. Oh, no. Here we go. Monday. Yeah, he's still talking about Amazon. All over the goddamn news with it's just I know it's horrible to think that a company can try any new thing that I heard about. Okay. And uh, so I was talking about it. And I learned TM, and I do remember the very first time I did it, and I remember that I was up the entire night because I never felt that good before, and I had terrible acne. I was I think I was about eighteen. And it, it, just, it all just went away. Now he's and, joking. Uh, and I became a world-famous comedian. That's my story. That's the entire story of my life. And now here's the tragic part of my TM story. Slightly tragic. So I'm doing TM from 1972. And I started, and I didn't do the morning one. You're supposed to do it twice a day. And I stopped doing the morning one pretty early in me doing it because I didn't understand getting out of bed and then resting. (laughs) I had trouble with that concept. Get out of bed, now rest. Okay, so I don't know, maybe I did it for a couple of months and then I just stopped, but I was very regular with my afternoon meditation. And um, when I was doing the TV series in which I was um, um, the star of the show, the executive producer, the head writer, casting and editing for 22 to 24 episodes on network television, not cable, network, for nine years, okay? That's a lot of work. And I'm a regular guy, pretty much. You know, I'm not one of these crazy people that has endless, boundless energy. I'm just a normal guy. We're just about out of time here, so I'm going to have to pause that and give you the gist. But he basically says he meditated for 20 minutes in the middle of his day, and that's how he got through his days. He goes on to say that he's 60 years old and he's more productive than ever, and that's how he survives it. So... It gives you this idea that maybe this transcendental medication is, uh, is worth something that you really need to look into. And what we're going to talk about in the beginning of the next hour is what is the truth about this? Does wishing make it so? Can you do an easy meditation that doesn't belong, you know, involve believing anything wacky? 
and have it actually work and give you all this energy and make you de-stressed, etc.? We'll find out after the break. What a horrible snafu that was. What did, what did you think of that, Bosch? <laughs> I guess. Are we on? Yeah, we're on. We had a cat power, and, and now I got into a little bit of this uh, bush. I just, I just went away to uh, meditate for like a minute. And, uh, did you come back with renewed energy? Well, this is what I want to know. Marble just picked up the infidel. Wow. Yeah, I just so meditated. So meditation really works. It works. That's it. Okay, that's awesome. Marble said we're going to redeem ourselves from Cat Marble uh, with Pigman. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Honig in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says he agrees with you that oh you know, she's disgusting yeah Elizabeth Warren yeah she she is anti everything that oh, America no stands it. for fundamentally uh, you, she she knows uh, she has to speak that way now and they that the left is really turned on by this by that stuff yeah and and this idea of you didn't build that mm-hmm. you shouldn't get credit for all this wonderful stuff that you built. Well, it's like Seinfeld. Isn't he crediting that with more than himself for what he's done? I mean, credit Jerry Seinfeld for Jerry Seinfeld. I guess he doesn't want to do that. Excellent. So you finished perfect, you said. I finished it. It was good. And Overall, very good. Okay. And a little too many references to certain people that I'm not crazy about, you know, Linda Farron Brennan again and again. It seems like he might be some a student of his to some extent. By the way, the people who are new listeners to the show, we often use this six-minute top-of-the-hour chunk that we have between the two hours to talk about whatever books we're listening to on Audible and what we think about them. So you just finished Perfect. And do you remember what the name of the author was? Um, I got over here. Okay. Take a look. I think he's an Israeli. He lives in America, I, I believe. Um, let's see. One second. I'm yeah, I think sorry. he's a university professor, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is. And um, his name is Tal Ben-Shahar. Okay. PhD, Tal Ben He writes a lot about happiness, and uh, it was good. I mean, some very, I, I could definitely see myself in there. I, I mean, I, I never thought of myself concretely as a, uh, you know, perfectionist. Uh, maybe perfectionists don't think of themselves as perfectionists, but yeah, there are there are aspects. I say, yeah, in some ways, I am. We are being reminded that we need to double task here, which is that we need to discuss Chris Christie just for a moment. Eater eating, yeah. for those who might know that reference. Huh. <laughs> Yay. I don't think I'll ever get tired of saying eat or eating for Chris Christie. Now, do I get one little piece, too? Is this, this is our last of the yeah. 77%. Oh, my gosh. We have two tiny squares this is the best of this one. stuff. Wow. It's the best because you've got the 80 and the 75. I mean, this is the Chocolate. Perfect. We need more. Right between. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but there's no... Wait, there's no Chris Christie news, though. Nothing. I mean, think about that. He's off the front page. He's off of his track. I mean, it's mm. awesome. It really is, though. I mean, th- th- there's nothing he's saying or doing there's that people that, that's newsworthy. Okay. No, but what I'm saying is no one's paying attention now anymore. He's damaged goods as far as they're concerned. So I think the Chris Christie news is that we need to talk about him to eat chocolate. And that's I guess it. that's about it. Period. Okay. Well, I mean, he, okay. Has, he has his uses, right? I mean. So then I'm going to talk a little bit about the book that I was listening to. So I, actually, this week I haven't really been listening to the book so much as applying some of the stuff in it. And again, the book is by Julie Morgenstern, and it's about Shed. And 
I had talked about last week, and I feel like I'm doing, like I'm laying on the couch uh-huh. in a psychiatrist's office or something, uh-huh. right? But um, you mean I, like uh, David Gregory from Meet, Meet the Press? Basically, yeah. right, right. Maybe the yeah, NSA is doing this to me, right? <laughs> so they, they want me to be analyzed. But no, so the idea is I've got stuff that I've been hanging on to from when I lived in Colorado, and I had a house that was like three times the size of the place I'm living in in California, yeah. which is not hard to do, by the way. <laughs> Colorado homes are way bigger yeah. for the money. And then um, the other thing is that I had a bunch of stuff from my grandmother. And you find, and I mean, I've been doing this really anyway. It's, it's one of those things where sometimes you can listen to a book and it'll give you a different perspective on the process that you're going through of trying to sort through all these belongings that served you well once in your life or used to belong to somebody else and decide what are the treasures from among these objects? What do you need to actually keep that are going to serve you as you go on to the next phase of your life? And what are the things that you just need to get rid of because they're clutter in your physical space that causes clutter in your mental space. And I've been going through my house this week a little bit now that my semester's formally over in terms of teaching and just taking a little bit of time to get rid of a few things that I should have gotten rid of a while ago and kind of rearrange other things in the house where it highlights the value of some of the objects that I do love. We've got some weird noise out there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. we got ambient noise. I'm hoping this microphone isn't picking it up. It might just be it a might. We shall see. I'm just curious. If, you know, yeah. out there, just let us know if this sounds different than usual. Just, just, you know, just out of curiosity. I'm assuming it does. I mean, the music, the breaks, and all that, yes, but our voices itself, I, mean, I don't know if there's any difference. Maybe there is. We'll find out. No, I think, I think it does make a difference. But then the thing that I have to do is get a little smoother at running this, our little music. Because if I don't get smoother at it, we're going to have really abrupt breaks like we did in the last segment. We're about to go into the second hour of the show, so I'm going to go ahead and start. This is Amy Peacock. You're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. We are in the second hour of the show. I've got cartoonist Bosch Faustin here in the studio with me. And I think that intro music sounded a little better than the last time. Yeah. It's funny because the term that came to my mind was a term that applied to the old analog tapes. Do you remember the term oversaturating the tape? Not necessarily. Okay. Well, I actually took a little bit of recording engineering class a long, 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 long time ago. So... It's not helping me now, except for just remembering that term, I think. But there is no tape to oversaturate, yeah. but it's still possible to have so much gain or too much volume on something that you get distortion. Right. And it used to be because you oversaturated the Sometimes, tape, yeah. but now it's 
who knows, you've gone over the signal strength of the blah, blah, I don't know. Someone can call in and give me the tech behind why we get that distortion. 760-888-5817. Which one do you want for the next? In the plot. Okay, well, we can try that. Okay, we can... Bosch has already got a request yeah. for music for our next break, but let's. I told you I wanted to be the the <laughs> DJ to save the show, and uh, I'm you know I, I guess I can't. So. You can you can help me a little. That'll, that, that'll be good. That'll, I'm joking. Anyway, I'm joking to save so, the show. So so again, our theme of the show, and you can look at the links at my blog at don'tletitgo.com for all the stories that we're talking about in connection with this theme. But the theme the theme is wishing won't make it so. The fact that you have something in your consciousness that you really hope will be the case, is not going to make it so. And one prime example that came to my attention this week was this video from Jerry Seinfeld about transcendental meditation. And Alex Epstein posted it provocatively on his Facebook. And he says, you know, here's this video and some friends of mine saw it. And what would your reaction be? Would your reaction be that you're kind of mildly intrigued? Um, You want to maybe find out a little bit more information? You hear that here's Jerry Seinfeld. He's super successful, and now he's 60 years old. He's more productive. He has more energy than ever. He's attributing it to that. He attributes it to meditation, right? Not not to him, not to his motivation, not to his ambition. Nothing, right? I mean, would you say, okay, I'm going to go and pay $1,000 to somebody right now to learn this stuff? Is that going to be your reaction? Hopefully not. I mean, maybe if you've got $1,000 just to blow. But nonetheless, even if you had $1,000 to just throw away right now, I would suggest definitely not doing this based on what I learned because I don't have $1,000 to blow. So what did I do? I did a little bit of Googling. And what you find out very quickly, either looking at Amazon for a book on this transcendental meditation, maybe you could read about how it works, or if you're looking at videos, I actually looked at an intro video by the... Bob, whoever it is, I can't remember, Roth, I think, that Seinfeld threw out there as an authority on this stuff. I saw a video by the guy. He looks a little odd, but he sounded fine. And he says, you know, look, it's very simple. It doesn't involve any weird beliefs. There's not a philosophy. It's a blah, 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 right? It's so simple. It's easy. You don't have to do anything. but, But it turns out that in order to learn it, you have to lay out $1,000, and it's got to be one-on-one instruction with one of the certified people. So that sounds suspicious. You can't find any book on the substance of it on Amazon. The only way is to lay out this $1,000, you know, and hurry right now if you do it before May 31st. Otherwise, the price is going to go up to $1,500. You better just, like, open your checkbook right now and do it, right? So I figure maybe it's a cult. So I Google, is, you know, Transcendental Meditation a cult? And I find the next link that you see at my blog at don'tletitgo.com, falling down the TM rabbit hole. And it is, I mean, you've seen this similar type of website talking about Scientology, you know, Dianetics, yeah, L. L. Ron right, Hubbard. Right, right. That's what this, is, this is a similar website dedicated and to Transcendental like Meditation. And like that, he wants to get celebrities to uh, endorse you know, he, he wants to get some really popular people, some successful people out, out there to endorse it. That, well, and, that mean, that, and, that, and, that and he did. He did. Yeah, he, he, got, did. he got Jerry Seinfeld. He got Ellen DeGeneres. He got, to my total chagrin and disappointment, <laughs> he got Hugh Jackman yeah. to endorse Transcendental Meditation. And also oh. to credit them for the Not, not this critic guy, success. but the other guy. 
Um, Elliot Rivera in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio is saying that he never tried to empty his mind. He doesn't think he would have in attempted of, it if he'd been approached with those words as the selling point. But this does, is the thing, he, Elliot. He does say that uh, at one point uh, meditation has a value, I, I believe. I think it does. I just never have done it. I think it probably does. You know, to some extent, to just relax. Oh, I say, I think, think meditation think does and... have some value, and this is the thing that I did like about that book, Perfect, that you talked about, mm-hmm. Bosch, is that the guy talks about what meditation is and what the point of it is in a very simple way that I hadn't heard before, right. which is that it's not the point is not to actually empty your mind, no, but not. to have the practice of keep bringing your mind back to a point of focus. Yeah like your breath or whatever word or, you know, who knows, there's different ways to do it. But bringing your mind back to that point of focus, despite all the distractions and other thoughts. there's value in that, especially in this chaotic world. Right, right. I mean, like with this show, you know, I have to keep coming back to my point of focus, even though Bosch is, Interrupting. Right. So I I need that practice. I need... But so no, I'm, the, I'm the, but the thing that's interesting is uh, Elliot, and that actually sucks you in even more about this transcendental meditation is that they are portraying it as being even easier than the standard form of meditation because the point isn't to work to clear your mind, to steer your focus. Instead, they're supposed to give you quote easy access to a calm place in your mind, and they do this analogy to the ocean, you know, the waves on the top are all rough, and then below it's very smooth. It just, it's, it sounds lovely. Yeah. And, and that's and, what they're counting on, to, you know, to, it, it, to rope you in. Yeah, it reduces your cortisol levels, it increases the Decreases dopamine, your wallet, uh, you know. Well, it, it oh. makes your wallet a lot lighter, apparently, is what yeah. I hear. Anyway, so you want to learn more. So, But when I Googled, is it a cult, then I find this website, and this guy, Joe Kellett, who has the website, says that he was a prior instructor, certified instructor in the Transcendental Meditation. He's no longer speaking on behalf of the organization. He rejects it totally. Um, he, he's like, by the way, this is a critical post. Because what he does in some of the website is he talks about how it actually works. And, then, and I guess some people have written him and said, oh, can you tell me some more right. so that I can learn how to do it? Anyway, here's the gist of it. The gist of it is that the certified instructor, through a series of interactions, suggests a lot of things to you, like that that person is an authority, that when you do this meditation, you're going to get very relaxed, you're going to have so much more energy. All these things get suggested to you. And then you, after a couple different meetings with them and talking to them and stuff, and you know, I've already, I've watched the video. So already in my mind, it's like, I'm going to be relaxed. And it's <laughs> like, you know, accessing that calm part of the ocean. And wow, this is cool. And I've been scuba diving before. So I know exactly what he's talking about. So here I am, I'm all suggested, right? And then you go in. And apparently what they do is they hypnotize you. Yeah. They put you in a trance. State, which some people can and they say, have go done out to them. there and endorse this big time. <laughs> Actually, they don't do that till later. <laughs> right. But at, but at first, you know, they put you in this trance state, and of course, you've already been told what what to do when you're in that trance state. You're supposed to feel very relaxed. You're supposed to feel like you've gotten the best well, sleep of your life. You're to the guy's influence, you know, say, right. go out there and just talk us up. Right. Okay. So they tell you because what do I talk up? Nothing. Yeah. Just say it's great. Yeah, so we'll get the cash. Yeah, so essentially he tells you all the things. One of the things that they supposedly do is they choose a mantra that's tailored specifically to you. And what Mark you, says that pretty sure O'Reilly is a big endorser. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Well, wait, wait. You go ahead and tell me what you're talking about here. Uh, Mark says that he's oh. pretty sure Bill O'Reilly is a big endorser of transcendental oh, med- meditation. Oh, Bill O'Reilly is an endorser. I that's wouldn't be really shocked. Sad. I mean, just look at him, you know. 
Yeah. The guy needs some help on it. Anyway, it's just that. So the but but you could see how it would work, right? That you're suggestible, that you have been put into this trance like state, hypnotized in effect. And people You've want been, to get better. People want to get their lives better. So they jump you know, they jump in this. It's something right, really interesting, interesting. Right, right. They think wishing yeah. will make it so. And also look at these successful people doing this. I must get in. Now the fact is it might have some value, but if this guy if this is legit you know, if this is legitimate, it is basically about hypnosis. Well, that's a whole different thing. Then. Well, right, well, right. But they and, can't advertise that And part. so the value of this is just that you're being hypnotized. Yeah. There is no mystical expertness to their uh-huh. choosing a mantra for you because basically there's, there's a chart and says if you're female and you're this age and the person was trained in such and such a year, then your mantra is, you know, blah, blah, right. blah, whatever it is. So there's nothing... There's no expertise there. Basically, each of these uh, instructors, they memorize chants that they're supposed to do during these different meetings, and those chants are designed to hypnotize you. So that's all there is to it. It's hypnosis, and sometimes hypnosis can have beneficial effects. But then apparently what they do is they have you come back for more follow-up meetings to make sure you're doing it okay, and they tell you things like, well, if you're really doing it properly, you're going to be morally perfect. I mean, that's just... Um, you'll have absolutely no Oof. stress. And so then when the person feels like, well, I'm not morally perfect, they, oh, I must not be doing it right. By what oh. standard morally perfect also? By what standard? Yeah. Is, there's no ideology, there's nothing. Oh, really? So then what do you mean morally perfect? Morally perfect by your own standard. Okay, well, I, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so the person comes back and says, gee, um, it's not really working that well. I must not be doing it too well. They say, oh, you need to take the higher level. <laughs> so, the more expensive. I mean, the higher level. Yeah. So, so... You know, the other the other thing this website tells you about is that they keep sucking you in and you pay more money for more instruction and you're supposedly going to get these, you know, greater benefits out of it. And during some of the group trance sessions, they put everybody in this trance-like state and they do at that point try to indoctrinate them into the substance of their mystical belief okay. system. So that happens too. And then finally, so the then most... there is a belief system at the end. Right. They, and, they attract by saying there isn't any. And then also there's a couple really ridiculous beliefs that they have. One is that if you do the advanced level of this, that you can actually levitate your body. And supposedly David Lynch believes that he can levitate by meditating. So there's that. And then the other thing is that they believe if they have groups of 8,000 people, I can't remember how these people are arranged geographically, but if you have them all meditating at the same time, you know, 8,000 of them or something and enough of these groups, then you're going to have world peace. World peace. World peace. World peace. So yeah. they figured out the secret to life and peace and that's, I mean, that's awesome. So, it's so good that they keep it from you. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it, it's so good. It's not worth writing a book about. That's how good it is. No, and you cannot find a book that explains this. This is the only place I found that actually explained what was going on. But any time they tell you that the only way you can learn it yeah. is by a one-on-one oh, interaction oh, with a certified instructor, that should make you suspicious itself, right? This has been around since the 1950s, and you can't actually find a book on it. That's kind of nuts. And then the other thing, when you start talking about what the substance of the beliefs are, that they can levitate, that they're going to get world peace by convening 8,000 of these. You can't just, when they can levitate, (laughs) okay? And uh, David Lynch, I think he said it, right, that he he can levitate. So is there a video online of David Lynch levitating that we can just watch? Supposedly, and this is one thing that was a... Because that's, you know, he he needs to prove that. 
there's a subpage on this site that says, if you have more than a casual interest in TM, you will want to view the new film, David Wants to Fly. And it is, it's about David Lynch and his quest to fly. When he using... wants to, he has. He, he levitated and he does fly. When he wants to. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> if you want to fly and you meditate he hard flinched. enough, right? I mean, he flinched. He didn't say you know, say it all the way. You, you see, though, how this fits in perfectly. I think oh, yeah. sometimes the stories of the week just percolate in my mind. And then when I saw that Obama... You know, we Mar- just need the will Mar- to have Mark says, uh, curious what, what you'll think of David Lynch as a filmmaker. is definitely a malevolent universe, but I like them. I, I have liked the, the films that I've seen them also. They're weird. They're different. They're, they're, not, they're not boring, at least the ones that I've seen. They're a little more interesting and a little more engaging than the others, but Ew. I don't remember them too well. Stuart, he says, well, you can easily find videos of David Lynch on YouTube putting his fans' underwear in his mouth. He, Ew. Um, after use, after... <sighs> However, they were passed up to him on stage I guess, or something. I don't know. Yeah. Sent to him in the mail. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. I don't, know. I don't know. David Lynch mob. I guess they give it their. They give him their underwear. I never even. I don't think watched a David Lynch film. Did you watch a oh, David yeah. Lynch film? Uh, Blue Velvet. Um, and. Yeah, interesting stuff. I mean, I don't remember too much. Just visually. Some interesting things going on, some weird things, no doubt. And that's how his wild, production of the Duran Duran performance was. Yeah. You know, I think Wild was, at Heart. I, I think that was one oh of the movies with a I, yeah. I just had a horrible thought. What's that? I bet David Lynch got Duran Duran involved in he transcendental meditation. He probably did. You know, they look like they need it. I mean, something. They, <laughs> they, they need something. Anyway, I, I wanted to talk about this, not only because it's tied into this show, but I just wanted to do it as a public service for uh, the listeners of, to this show. If you are at all intrigued by a transcendental meditation, somebody talked to you about it, please go look, look at more. Just, go just look into go it, to all. the link at my blog at don'tletitgo.com and read the and site that I linked to. It become morally perfect. I mean, these kind of promises, that is a desperate thing to hook people in. You will be morally perfect and we will have world peace. That's a hard sell. I mean, the, the hard sellers don't have anything usually. That's why they do such a hard sell. Stuart says that he's calling in. He's in the caller queue. Yeah, I think that you need to push one, but we do see you, so we're going to grab you. Stuart, hi, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Can you and hear we can me? hear you. We can hear well, you. Hi. So all, all is good with the new audio setup and a caller. Yeah. So, yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah, what do you got, comments on David Lynch. You know, I'm, I'm kind of re- I'm very disappointed about this. You know, I know his movies are surreal, but now he's advocating something very surreal that he, he wants people to take seriously in real life. And I'm very mm. sad about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. It, and I, you know, I don't know. We, we probably shouldn't even be talking about this, but I had not heard of it at all before. Alex Epstein posted the link, and apparently some people were taken in a bit. So I shared the link to the, you know, down the TM rabbit hole. But you couldn't. On, some, oh, yeah. yeah this, this is another interesting also. thing. This is another interesting thing. So Alex Epstein has that thread on his page on Facebook, and I tried to post the link about falling down the TM rabbit hole as a comment to that, you know, thread on Alex's page. And Facebook would not let me no matter how you know hard why? I tried. You know why? Because Suckerman is a TM guy. He might be. Probably. He might be. <laughs> but somehow I was on my own page. I was able to go ahead and post that link. So you could also find it on my page on Facebook. This falling down the TM 
rabbit hole. If you have been considering this at all, if it sounds, and sometimes they, they make it sound very reasonable. They say it's so simple and you're not mm. supposed to work to put your focus on your breath. It's not all that silly stuff. Instead, it's so easy. You just access this calm part of your mind. It sounds great. And then uh, when you learn, all it is is this phony hypnosis and they try to suggest to you that that's I what you're doing. I think as you were telling me about it, I said, is, is this hypnosis? Because that's what it really came off as. In, in the end. In so you're bottom, saying you, you saw through it before oh, I did. Oh, yeah. No. Well, no. You were just telling me. I said it's, it's probably hypnosis. That's, right. what, that's what really just clicked in. Ed in the chat right. room here and says that. And that they want to keep clear of saying. They don't right. want to say that. Yeah. Ed in the chat room here says that more TM is TMI, and, and I think that's I agree funny. with that. Stuart, do you have any final words on Transcendental Meditation, David Lynch, or any of that stuff? Yeah. I think the whole term is funny. What are they transcending? I hear huh. people say, I believe in self-transcendence. Uh, you know, if you're transcending right. yourself, who is doing the transcending? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They supposedly you're transcending the part of your mind that's always you're thinking about what you have to do. Transcending your ego, and then what the hell are you? There's nothing left. The real person, the real conscious okay. mind that's responsible for your choices and your success. And that's what you're and supposed to transcend. Yeah. Sounds, sounds just like the secret. Well, not mm. not as kooky as a secret, but it sounds like Oprah Winfrey endorsing that book, The Secret, that says, really, if you ask the universe for things, the universe will just give them to you. Yeah. Levitation, having the universe give you stuff for free, sounds right. like a lot of the same stuff. It's not nearly as wacko as Scientology, where they believe that there was the alien race and, you know, that's that why right? we're, yeah, we're, we're supposedly all miserable and Tom Cruise really just wants to save us because oh, okay. we have within us elements from a past alien race. And, um, yeah. Has so, he made a movie about that? If it's so, you know, if he's so into it, why, th- why has he made a movie about it? Because he knows it wouldn't go over. He's always trying to educate everybody all the time. That's yeah. what he's trying, all for our benefit. It's not like they mean, you know, harm to yeah. us. Yeah. Hugh Jackman, Ellen DeGeneres, Jerry Seinfeld, they just want to share the uh, love and bounty. Imagine how much money the, that they've sunk into this. Oh, yeah. And how much the TM people probably know about their personal now, lives. When when he was endorsing it, was it were his eyes glazing? Uh, Seinfeld and and Jackman and her. They're like, I love TM. You know what I mean? Because they were hypnotized to endorse it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They, they they look reasonable, right? And they say, no, you don't have to change no, your he, lifestyle. He looks a little shabby. He, he has like an old suit now. I think he's unshaven. <laughs> Maybe he lost all his money. Yeah. It's like, give us a billion dollars. Okay. Go ahead, Stuart. Wait. Well, when he played that clip, I was surprised to hear him. He sounded very angry in his tone. He sounded very defensive. I was taken aback by that. Hmm. hmm. I didn't get that, but I I didn't get that either. But maybe it's because maybe we're had... we're in anger mode on this show. Maybe he wasn't <laughs> crazy about endorsing it publicly. Maybe maybe he wasn't, and they kept asking him, and then they kept mm-hmm. hypnotizing him again and again. Come on, Jerry, you must. Okay, you know right. <laughs> Against his will. Yeah, because they, they, they say that they don't pay any of these celebrities to endorse, but they might do well, other well, that's things, That's part right? of, of the hypnosis. We will not pay you for this, but we want all the cash. I mean. Anyway, I, I agree we should go on to another topic, but thank you, Stuart, for calling in, and feel free to let us know if you want to talk with us about any of the other topics that we have planned for today. What I'd like to do, at least get started on this, is talk about the next big story about Wishing Won't Make It So, And it is the current controversy over how to portray Islam. I can't believe we're having this conversation. How to portray Islam at at the 9-11 Museum. 
museum dedicated to keeping people informed about the history of 9-11, what happened, what happened on September 11, 2001, at the museum dedicated to that event, they are, you know, having a, con- a controversy about mm-hmm. how to portray Islam. And they think, well, you know, if we just... Um, we, we need to maintain this illusion. Can yeah. you help us here? Um, I think about it also, it's like, I think someone said something, the New York Times writer said something about, well, we, we have to really figure out how to describe Islam. So, oh, so you agree that Islam has something to do with this. You mean? Right, right, They're right. even conceding right. that. But what, what they want to do, their goal is to make it so that people will go Sorry, to this Seven museum. says how to portray Hitler at the Holocaust Museum. Right. That's excellent. Yes. How to portray Nazism. How do we uh, you know, make it seem better than it is? Yeah, 72521 in the chat That's room over excellent. here at Blog Talk Radio has it exactly right. How yeah. to portray Hitler at the Holocaust Museum. Yes. And in the New York Times piece where they talk about this, I think it's at the very end of the piece that you actually get the... Um, actually, I don't want to go down too quickly that way. How about the one where he says about the truth, you know, the, the guy from the, from the group, he says, we wanted to make sure that we were telling the full truth. Well, that's an absolute lie. Yeah, right yeah. Here. Here, here's the guy who's the president of the Museum Foundation. He says, he, says, and he says, what helps me sleep at night is I believe that the average visitor who comes through this museum will in no way leave this museum with the belief that the religion of Islam is responsible for what happened on 9-11, end quote. And then, and then he says, we have gone out of the way to tell the truth. I mean, this is shocking. It's shocking that he would say this. And this guy, if, he's, if he lives in New York, if he works in New York, he knew people who died. Everyone knows people who died. Even in New Jersey, I knew two individuals who died. This is shocking. He said, basically, we have done everything we can to tell. No, you've done everything to cover for Islam for very un-Islamic reasons, for li- very liberal reasons, very politically correct reasons. Who knows what this guy's thinking? This is evil. They're covering for the reason why that museum exists, for the reason why the Twin Towers do not exist. That's why yep. Islam. And after the break, we're going to talk about Robert Spencer's interview for that New York Times piece and what happened to it. Yep. Before that, a little bit of music. Okay, boss. Uh, did I do that okay? Yeah. yeah. That's the uh, the deers. Um, lost lost in, the plot. in the plot. Lost in the plot is what it's yeah, called. I know the name. <laughs> There's an old song. We can have it, which we're gonna play after. <laughs> I mean, we can I'll, play it on the other I, side. I we can play it on one. the other side a little bit from that. But that's probably one of my most listened to songs. We can have it by the deers. You gotta check it out. I think it's great. It's a Canadian well until band. I introduced you to the Jezebels. That is. Jazz bells. I mean, I, I always get surprised when you know. I've always I loved you too, Radiohead. I'm, I'm always get surprised when there's another band that has a kind of real solid quality. The Deers have it. Now the Deers. I mean, I don't want to know about them. In the interview, I heard about them. I never want to hear what they say ever again outside of the music ever. They are their music. Period. They're pretty sick about their beliefs. They said they handmade their new album really by hand. No corporate. You know. Anyway. 
Uh, the Deer's excellent. Um, Jezebel's excellent. I got a number of bands, but there's a, f- a few songs here and there, but the, the Deer is consistently good. All their albums are of, of quality. Also Jezebel's. It's great. This is our last opportunity to discuss any more about Audible stuff that we're listening yeah. to. And and I just wanted to finish up my little discussion. I was listening to, like I said, Julie Morgan's Stern, The Shed Process, and I, you really do experience that if there is this stuff that you've had hanging around your life, and, and she gives this wonderful metaphor. It's, a, it's just a story, but it's a, it's a metaphor for what a lot of people do. And this guy, he needs a raft to get across the river, so he builds this big old heavy raft, and it gets him across the river. And then he, once he gets across the river with this raft, he says, wow, that's a great raft that I built. And I might, you know, come across a river again. I think I'll just carry this raft right. with me. And he carried it around for the rest of his life, right? So, you know, she has this idea. There's things that you have right. maybe around that have served you in the past part of your life. And will not serve and you. And won't serve you in the future. And, you know, there's some hokey stuff in the book, like there is in a lot of these books. But the idea of focusing on where you're going in your life and looking around at all of your stuff and seeing what of your stuff is going to serve you in this next phase of your life and what isn't. And getting rid of any of the stuff that is sort of holding you back. That you And again, it all is based on what you feel when you honestly take a look at around your right. stuff. You say, okay, do I feel that this serves me? Do I feel that it's holding me back? What I did recently was uh, I looked at the books on my shelf and I said, will I ever reread this again? And there were a number of them I will not reread again. So yeah. I just put them in the box and get them out of here. There's no reason to. So I think that's a good way of cleaning house also. I've done it over the years. Yeah. So, you know, for people who are in that situation, there's a lot of people who aren't pack rats at all. People have different backgrounds and they have different reasons for hanging on to stuff longer than they do. And some people don't have that problem at all. So if you're not one of those people, that's great. But I do recommend it. Morgan Stern, Julie Morgan Stern Shed. And if you want to get an Audible free trial where you can listen to that and all kinds of other books and help the show, go to audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peacock and you get that 30-day free trial. So this is the one that you want me to play? I do. The opening is good. I mean, the whole song is good. It gets better and a little more aggressive, but that's fine. The opening is okay. pretty, pretty pretty quiet. Let's play a little. That's good. No, that's not good. Isn't it? That one? Well, that's fine. Oh, is this one? Yeah, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> this is Dvochka. Dvochka. beginning of that song as closely as we just did that Bosch. Yeah. This is Amy Peacock. I've got Bosch Boston here in the studio with me and we are playing with our new toys here which is this nice mixing board that a listener Craig made possible. So thanks again to Craig who and helped was, us upgrade uh, again, here. That was uh, Devochka, the band uh, How It Ends. But there's so much to that song. That yeah, beginning oh, only it's just... It's excellent and it's, it's very good. Just touch the surface here. So we were finishing up our little discussion of transcendental meditation, right? And then also about the uh, Islam Museum. The oh, ni- the Islam the Museum. Museum. Right. And Marx is something excellent here. He goes, Islam does a fine job of, of, a fine job of undermining its interests. 
but the left is right behind them to repair, polish, and shine them up again. The left is the real villain, and Islam without the left would be a pathetic foe, absolutely. No doubt about it. They're, they're little helpers. Definitely enabling it. And one example, one shining example of that, thanks for the contribution, Mark, in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, is the example is this interaction between the New York Times reporter yes, yes. who was a contributor to the story and Robert Spencer, who yeah. is the curator over at Jihad Watch, the, you know, the man w- of steel will yeah. over at Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. W- most highly regarded experts on Islam. So this woman, uh, Otterman, Susan Otterman, Sharon Otterman, Sharon Otterman, approaches Robert Spencer and says, you know, she's working on this story about the 9-11 Memorial Museum, and they're all upset about how to portray Islam, and what can you tell me? How about be honest? And yeah, basically that's what he says. How about be honest? He says, why don't you just put in your story the exact words of the 9-11 hijackers and of the 9-11 plot masterminds? That will expose the motives and the goals of the attack. And then he has long quotations, yeah. and you can, again, go read them at my blog. But, for instance, Osama bin Laden wrote a letter to the American people. Yes, he did, inviting them to Islam. Inviting which, them to Islam. Which is what Muhammad, you know, you say, invite them first and then kill them. The first thing that we are calling you to is Islam. Mm-hmm. And then if that doesn't work, we'll call you to death, right? That's, yeah. that's how you know. Right. Uh, Muhammad Atta says this, quote, when the confrontation begins, strike like champions who do not want to go back to this world. Shout Allahu Akbar because this strikes fear in the hearts of the non-believers. God said, strike above the neck and strike at all of their extremities. Know that the gardens of paradise are waiting for you in all their beauty, and the women of paradise are waiting, calling out, come hither, friend of God. They have dressed in their most beautiful clothing, end quote. And this is from the Quran. And uh, they went after these uh, warriors, which were stewardesses. They were warriors, right? Oh, that's yeah. how, no, but that's how that's, they that, saw that's them. That's how they saw them. Unarmed. Yeah. No, but, no, but what I'm saying is their victims were civilians doing their job, regular. They were taken unawares. And these guys pretend that they're heroes, that they're soldiers. But, you know, so here's the New York Times and the so-called interfaith council in charge of this museum trying to whitewash, rewrite history, make it so that Islam does not come out the as the cause. interfaith council, you have a wolf and three sheeps, right? Is it three sheeps and a wolf? The Muslim right. is the wolf. Right. And says, guys, you better do what I say. Okay, okay, okay. We got it. That's right. And here's Robert Spencer saying, no, that's not how it should be. He says, in every instance, this is from Spencer, in every instance, their own words, the 9-11 hijackers' words, should be used, including their own characterizations of themselves as Islamic jihadists, warriors in the cause of Islam. And then Otterman writes back to Robert. Uh, she says, several controversies have been coming up and how, you know, how to talk about Islam in the museum materials. There's this term Islamic terrorism, but no, we don't think we should use that term. Instead, Esposito, this guy, is it John Esposito? Uh, yes. He says they should use Muslim terrorism instead. What do you think about this term? Esposito hasn't paid off by the Saudis, just for record. Yeah. So here's Spencer writing back to Otterman. You know, does she, do you think it's just about whitewashing or political correctness or not? That's what she's asking him. And he says, of course, the whole debate is about whitewashing and political correctness. In other words... Wishing to make it so. That's what they're trying to do. Muslims want to turn this into an Islamic center of some kind. 
Right. You know what I mean? Right. To praise Islam, to, some, to give Islam a good face. Well, here. and of course, one of the things they want to do is they want to portray Muslims supposedly mourning uh-huh. 9-11. Yeah. So he says, he says, as I showed in my first response to you, the hijackers and plotters themselves explained and justified their actions by reference to Islam. He says that makes it Islamic terrorism. Nice. And he says Esposito saying that, quote, Muslim terrorism is an okay term, yeah. but Islamic terrorism is not. Yes. He says that proceeds from the idea that they were terrorists who just happened to be Muslim. Yeah, just, you know. yeah they just happened to be. Suggesting that Islam actually had nothing to do with motivating them to commit the terrorist act. He says that is a false claim. In reality, as you can see from the quotes, Islam was at the core and center of their motivations. And he goes on, bravo to him. He yeah, points out the excellent. truth. She didn't put any of that no, truth in her article. No, because she wasn't looking for truth. She was looking for someone that she could claim as a, a, a legitimate uh, expert. And can you say something that I want to hear? Come on, Robert. Tell me what I want to hear. You're not going to do that? Okay, you're out. That's it. Yeah. And this is something that I think Bosch will love from, from uh, Robert Spencer here. He says, as for militant jihadist or militant slash radical Islamist, he says, these are absurd formulations that reassure jittery multiculturalists that Islam is really a religion of peace at heart, no matter what jihad terrorists do in the name of Islam. Yeah, excellent. Bravo to him. Bravo for pointing out the truth. Bravo for pointing out the fact that everybody else is trying to wish to make it so. They are wishing hoping that they can make Islam a religion of peace just by covering up any evidence and that it who, isn't, by changing their terminology. Who in that museum is standing right. up for the truth? Who? I know that there were some you know, 9-11 family members there. Where are they? I imagine some of them may have picked up the Quran and studied Islam in the last decade, dozen years. Where are they to say to hell with you and your interpretation of your religion that you want us to believe? They were Muslims in the name of Islam. 2,996 Americans were butchered because of that. We are standing on ground where those victims are still, I mean, they're still under us. Their remains. And here we are. And, you know, I just, uh, I got this one piece. I won't tell you too much about it, but just check it out. It's my blog. It's, it's my top post. It's called Mosques as Trojan Camels. And it's almost a, somewhat of a revelation, I think, if you're not really paying attention to what happens when more Muslims are around the area, where more mosques are around the area in America, and, you know, it attracts more Muslim terrorists. Naturally, there's more terrorist activity, more, more, more terrorist uh, networks around that area. There's always a mosque. Wherever terrorists are, there's always a mosque. Check it out. I have a map there, two maps, uh, hat tip to uh, Allen West. Well, and the distribution of mosques in the USA is made possible by the fact that there's these people whitewashing yes. this religion. Yes. They're, whitewashing they're it. They're coming here as, this, well, we're one of the religions in America, and we're going to build this a holy place, and that's it. Well, the fact is, every single person behind that mosque, when it comes to the imam, when it comes to the funding from the Saudis, they know they're up to no good. They know they're here to infiltrate. They're not here. They're they're. As I call them, I call them enemy outposts. Right. And this really, really makes my argument pretty much clear because, I mean, I've been called every name in a book because of these positions that I hold, but this really makes a good case. And also, post 9-11, I mean, post 9-11, think about this. Uh, there was a report in 2012 that the number of mosques in, in America has nearly doubled since 9-11. How is that possible? It is, pos- no it demand, is possible. It there's is- no demand for Islam. Right. It is, it is possible because of people like the interfaith panel at the 9-11 museum 
because of New York Times reporters like Otterman or whatever her name Sharon is. Otterman. And just to give Sharia you Otterman. just to give you another example of the consequences of yeah. trying to wish to make it so. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the story: U.S. switched sides in the war on terror, and we allowed 500 million dollars worth of weapons to reach Al Qaeda yeah. oh. jihadists. How in the world could we do anything that would have a chance of giving weapons to Al-Qaeda? Because we think, oh, well, the Al-Qaeda people who targeted us on 9-11, it have nothing to do with the Al-Qaeda. I mean, even Al-Qaeda were trying to whitewash in a certain way and were allowing weapons to get to them. Nonetheless, you know, not, not even to think about the nature of Islam. But one person who never whitewashes Islam to any extent, and if there was any question about it, you'll be clarified yeah. by this pat condell he has his late his latest video is actually called it's good to be anti-islam and i'm just going to play you a little bit of it so you can get a flavor of how unabashedly anti-islam this guy is i'm always amused when people accuse me of being anti-islam as if it's a bad thing and as if i've been trying to hide it and they've somehow caught me out Aha, I see what you are now. You're just anti-Islam. Yes, well spotted, Sherlock. Indeed I am. Just like every other sane person on earth. Why am I anti-Islam? Well, for the simple reason that Islam is anti-me. And it's anti-every fundamental value I hold. If I were to accommodate its values in my life, I would have to violate everything that I believe in. I think that's an unreasonable demand. And as such, it is, of course, typically Islamic. In general, I don't like to be anti-anything. I prefer to be pro, but there's nothing in Islam to be pro about. The entire religion is built on a foundation of prejudice, injustice, and inhumanity, and I'm anti all of those. People say, well, you only focus on the bad things about Islam, and yes, I have to admit that if you ignore the bad things, the aggressive separatism, supremacism, and social intolerance, the relentless special pleading, and phony grievance-mongering, the psychopathic level of misogyny, the honor killing and genital mutilation, sanctioned by the prophet incidentally, the rabid gay and Jew hatred, the intimidation and censorship and the constantly present threat of violence over social issues, well there isn't much wrong with Islam, it's perfectly kosher, if you'll pardon the expression. The trouble is, when you take these things away, there's nothing left. There is no Islam anymore because it is defined by these things and we can see the evidence of this with our own eyes. We can see that wherever this religion goes in the world, it brings with it guaranteed intolerance, conflict, and social division. And if it gets the upper hand, persecution, and ultimately monstrous cruelty, and people always become less free, especially the female ones. Because I hold these opinions, I'm often falsely accused of hating Muslims, when in fact many of the Muslims I've met in my life I've liked as individuals, I just don't like anything about their religion because there's nothing about it to like. It's an absolute... I just wanted to stop at that particular quote. I wanted him to get to the point where he talks about the difference between Muslims and Islam. He is anti-Islam. He is not anti-Muslim. Not necessarily, unless they're the devout Muslims at war with us. Muslims are human beings, first and foremost. Right. Right, exactly. Uh, he always tells it like it is. Definitely recommend listening to the rest of the video over I'm there. I'm not sure if anyone says it better in terms of a verbal communication of, these, uh, of Islam. He's the finest. He, he pulls no punches. He's he tells excellent. it like it is. 
and you can read the Quran for yourself and see that what he says is true. Yeah. And the confidence he has, the moral certitude about this, I love it. It's very rare. Definitely, definitely. So here he is. He's telling it like it is. Everybody else, New York Times, the people behind the 9-11 Museum. Again, I'm just, where are, where are the people standing up for the truth? In that museum, where are they? We are. Where are they? I know, but in the museum is I what I'm know, saying. I know. The bereaved of 9 11, where are they? Where? Where are the protests? Again and again, what you see, and this is more in philosophical terms, I have a link to an entry of the lexicon, the Ayn Rand lexicon from my blog at don'tletitgo.com, and it's primacy of existence versus primacy of consciousness. And what you see time and again in the different examples that we had today, the transcendental meditation, the people trying to whitewash Islam at the 9-11 museum, the people who want to believe that Obama is actually going to end the NSA program and do something significant about it, the people who think, oh, if we just had the proper political will on Israel's side, okay. then we could have peace in the Middle East, right? Miss Marvel, Marvel's Muslim superhero. Right. Mean, just, she's a good hero, and that's it. Now, Whitewash Islam. It's the third issue of the, of the series. No supervillain, no fighting evil yet. Why? Right. Why? I mean, there's, who will be her yeah, arch-villain? Will, will, will it be a jihadist? Again, of course again the whole purpose is to whitewash Islam. Yeah. All of these have been displaying what Ayn Rand called primacy of consciousness or, in the terms that I put in the title for today's show, wishing will make it so. And the idea is that what is in your consciousness, what is in your mind, your beliefs, your wishes, hopes, fears, whatever, those take primacy over what you perceive to be of true in is. reality. You know, to go back to Robert Spencer's example, the things that Muhammad Atta said about his motivation for carrying out the attack, oh, we don't want to listen to that nope, because that important. might lead us to attribute the 9-11 attack that to Islam. That will shatter my illusions. And that'll, that'll make some people upset, and, and we don't what, want that. I'm not joking. Some liberals have called Islam a quote-unquote brown religion, a brown religion. I was born and raised Muslim. I'm white, red hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ideology, ideology, ideology. Again and again, you got to tell these people. But they think that's the ultimate defense. It's a brown religion. How can you criticize it? And if you do criticize it, not only are you right. Islamophobe, you're racist. Right, right. And what Rand writes about this idea of putting what's in your consciousness above what is in reality. And she, of course, holds that reality is the primary and that our consciousness is here for the purpose of perceiving reality, getting the information that we need from reality, using our reason to draw conclusions and to act accordingly she says the source of the reversal that's out there is the inability or unwillingness fully to grasp the difference between one's inner state and the outer world i.e between the perceiver and the perceived thus they blend consciousness and existence into one indeterminate package deal she says the crucial distinction is not given to man automatically it has to be learned it is implicit in any awareness, but it has to be grasped conceptually and held as an absolute, end quote. And what we see today is we see people in all different realms hoping that by wishing they can make it so. Yeah. If we wish hard enough, if we put the displays together in the 9-11 museum in a certain way, we can make it that the average person, as the guy said, coming out of that museum is not going to attribute 9-11 to Islam. 
I mean, this is just shocking, if, as if that's his job, to protect Islam. If we find ourselves suggestible enough, we can have transcendental meditation that's going to make our life so much a million times better, and your pocketbook a lot lighter, but, you know, who's counting? If we read Marvel's um, Muslim Super Comic, you know, Islam's not bad. It's right, fine. Right, right, it's good. Right. If we, you know, listen to Barack Obama, then maybe, you know, really 9 uh, excuse right. me, the NSA program really will be cut back yeah. in a significant way. If the people in Israel just had the, quote, political will, then it doesn't matter that Hamas and Fatah are together and they, that they, they want to destroy to, to Israel. Israel. Right, right, right. You know, we should just ignore all that. This is uh, wishing will make it so, is what these people all think. And you need to think. avoid that like the plague. Think. <laughs> think. That's what it's they believe. All, all believe, all everything they feel. They believe wishing will make it so. Condell is, is super awesome. Uh, now, oh, oh, are you talking about the next example oh, here? Yeah. yeah, so this next example, which I'm I not, really love. I'm not crazy about Brit Hume, but he knocked it out of the park here. This is from American Thinker. Thanks to Bosch for grabbing it for me. Here's a clip from Fox News. with It's a roundtable with Brit Hume and other commentators on whether Barack Obama or Eric Holder are being judged unfairly due to their race. Take mm-hmm. a listen that contempt is not a big deal to our attorney general, but it is important that we have proper oversight. I think that it was inappropriate, I think it was unjust, but never think that that was not a big deal to me. Don't ever think that. You look at the way the attorney general of the United States was treated yesterday by a House committee. It had nothing to do with me. Forget that. What yeah. attorney general has ever had to deal with that? He's at a gathering of races. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> attorney General Eric Holder complaining about treatment of him and also the president after another testy exchange with House Republicans on Capitol Hill. And we're back now with the panel. Well, Attorney General Holder said the Obama administration has faced his words, unprecedented, ugly opposition. And speaking to Al Sharpton's National Election Action Network, he clearly implied it's because of race. Britt, does he have a point? I don't think so, and I think, uh, you know, first of all, it's false that no attorney general and no president have been subjected to this kind of treatment. After all, Bill Clinton was impeached. Um, Think about that for a moment. Um, uh, John Mitchell went to jail. I mean, the list is long of attorneys general and other officials who have been subjected to some very rough treatment on Capitol Hill and elsewhere. And this strikes me as kind of cryberry stuff from, from Holder. My, my sense about this is that, that both Eric Holder and Barack Obama have benefited politically enormously from the fact that they are African American and the first to hold the jobs that they hold. And this, I don't know if he specifically meant race or not. I suspect perhaps he did. But to those two men, Race has been both a shield and a sword that they've used effectively uh, to defend themselves and to attack others. And I think it is depressing at this stage in our national life after all we've been through on this issue and given the overwhelming consensus on the issue of civil rights that this kind of uh, stuff is still going on. I think I've got to stop it there, unfortunately. But the other person who made very excellent remarks on this was George Will in that panel. He was panel. good and bad, but he was very good here. He was very excellent. So I suggest that you go watch the rest of that clip. And uh, it's over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Headline on Brit Hume, it says, Eric Holder is a crybaby. He has benefited enormously from being black. And the idea that their, their, their race is a, is a shield and a sword. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And it's absolutely true. And for him to say that, his panelists, I think two of them are Democrats, so the host mm-hmm. and the lady, they didn't 
They didn't object. They didn't object at not, all. Not they didn't say, whoa, 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 no, that's out of no, line. They no. absolutely absorbed it and said, well, we have no arguments. But the thing, the thing of, of Will, and let me see if I can forward it and find yeah. the comment that Will makes. because it, it's he, the end. Yeah, it's, it's towards the end of this yeah. clip, and it, it, was, it was excellent. Let me see if I can go. The lady said quick. nothing memorable. I don't remember what she said. Okay, yeah, here's, here's Will. Let me see if we can get this real quick here. Racism and racist. It's an old saying in the law. If you have the law on your side, argue the law. If you have the facts on your side, argue the facts. If you have neither, pound the table. This is pounding the table. There's a kind of intellectual poverty now. Liberalism hasn't had a new idea since the 1960s, except Obamacare and the country doesn't like it. Foreign policy is a shambles from Russia to Iran to Syria to the, to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And the recovery is unprecedentedly bad. So what do you do? You say anyone who criticizes us is a racist. It's become a joke among young people. You go to a campus where this kind of political correctness reigns, and some young person will say, it looks like it's going to rain. The person looks and say, you're a racist. That's uh, what I wanted. That's the comment. <laughs> I uh, it looks like it's going to rain. Oh, you're racist. a racist. Right, exactly. exactly. Rain system. It's so, good. It's very, it's very, I, I like the fact that these things can be aired with confidence on the part of these speakers and their opponents. Zip, nothing to say. That's awesome. Yeah, again, it's this example of rewriting reality. That's yeah. what they're doing. Um, and, enough, and also, Obama and Holder were at uh, arch racists Al Sharpton, right. the racist of racists, at his event. Exactly. That's what I know Exactly, exactly. Let me give a couple more examples here that I did have. One is, I'm sorry to say, this Gosnell movie. Yeah. I have not commented about it, but I just want to say something very brief about the Gosnell movie. I cannot support it because even though what Gosnell did was horrific, yep, he's a monster. I see this movie as an attempt to say something about abortion more broadly. To basically say Gosnell is abortion. That's abortion. And, and that's not abortion. And that I disagree with. It. Gosnell to equate is, Gosnell with abortion. Yeah. Uh, Gosnell is not abortion. And I do think that that's what this movie attempts to do. I and that's Gosnell. why it's being fervently supported by some people. Sorry if I know that's a controversial thing to it's say. An and I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not offending they're, too many people there. They're, but they're that, trying to say this is abortion. That, that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to go out there and attack this movie repeatedly. But I cannot support it for that reason, that I believe it is trying to it's characterize true. abortion as being all what the stuff that Gosnell did. did. And I, I don't, did. That is just not the truth. Um, Gosnell is Gosnell. He's a monster. Another thing that ties into our theme today is Tammy Bruce's column this week over at the Washington Times. Her headline was, uh, a cultish click of corruption and incompetence. And she describes at the IRS how even though you don't pay your own taxes, you as an IRS employee don't pay your own taxes, you can still get bonuses and promotions and pay raises and everything else. There, no problem. And she says only IRS employees could expect rewards for failing to pay their taxes. That's the subhead, and it is perfect. It falls exactly in line with this wishing will make it so. They expect this, rewards, even though they don't pay their taxes. That is so out of the line of reality in any other workplace in, in the world. I have a few items of good news, and even though we have only a minute left, I urge you to go check them out. Um, very few fans for FCC's new internet rules. There's some pushback there. We need the FCC not to tell internet service providers how to handle traffic in any way, shape, or form. Any rules, I think, from the FCC about how internet providers should handle their traffic, giving preference to one or 
you know, uh, restricting access to other websites or blah, blah, blah. Any rules are going to mess it up. Let the free market decide and then let people go with the Internet service providers who don't restrict access to anything on the Internet. That's how it should be. Uh, Apple, Tim Cook, he's talking about innovation. He's going to take the time to get it right. Kudos to him. Scalia says, hey, if taxes get too high, perhaps you should go and revolt. Bravo to Scalia. I think that's good. And then finally, there is a student data repository that a lot of people were worried about that apparently is going to close. Hat tip to Rob Abiera for that. So we've got about 30 seconds to go. I'll be on TV in October. Um, I'll talk we'll about, talk about yeah. that later. We'll talk about that later, Bosch. Go to I'm my, looking forward to it. For now, go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com. Leave any comments on this show, any comments on the stories that we weren't able to get to. Most of all, if you do like this show, please spread the word because it's a fairly small show, spread primarily by word of, word of mouth. And my mouth is only so big. Bosch's, on the other hand, is an entirely yes. different beast. Oh, yeah. Have a good TV. evening, night, weekend, everybody. October. Take care.